Hi, this is Ed Perlstein, your host for Jazz. To make the perfect jazz. Oh, sorry, jazz. Ed Perlstein, sorry. It is now 3 o'clock, and even though jazz is wonderful, it's time for Ben and Dunnyville. Adventures, the premier family-friendly live weekly radio show for Sonoma County and specifically Petaluma, as given to you by us, the Benedetti family. That's me, Gio, also my wife, Jen, and our two daughters, Stella and Emmeline. But they're not here right now. They're not here. They are uh, in a boat. They're, in a <laughs> they're not in a boat. They're at home. We're going to make up a story about how they were floating away somewhere because our house floated away. But it didn't. It's just right over there across the freeway. And um, this week is the first episode of the new year. And uh, I have some, let's see. Hey, Dave, can we get some story music while I'm talking? I get so distracted if I don't get to hear the story music behind behind what I'm saying. You got it, buddy! Thanks, Dave. Well, like I was saying, it is the first episode for us of the new year. And last week, if you guys listened on the air or caught the podcast, it was uh, our emergency backup episode because we were not here. We were far away lands and couldn't make it for the radio show. Luckily, we had prepared and there was the emergency episode, which was a rebroadcast of our first ever episode, the first ever episode that aired uh, the first Sunday of February, 2018. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary, and I have some sad news for all you radio uh, fans out there. We will um, not be doing our live show uh, after this last month. We're going to do one full year, and then we're going to take a little break. But the shows will still be here at the radio. They might do some rebroadcasts of the old ones. We're not totally sure yet, but um, we've got four left to come at you live. And so... We've got some fun stuff. We have uh, another Chevrolet Glitter Wing Adventure, so we have another nice long story. It'll be a probably a four-parter. And the 
podcast last week, last week episode, you heard part one of Mission Impossible, and as you know, I am not in very good standing with the uh, story police, and I have to, I have to, have to, have to, have to continue all my stories from now on, or I don't know what will happen. So we have to play part two of our Mission Impossible. So we're going to get that in just a moment after a word from our sponsors. And in this cold, wintry, potentially wet time, this is a very important sponsor. So everybody, perk up your ears and pay attention. Has this ever happened to you? You wake up in the morning, get out of bed, and before you know it, your feet are cold. Well then, you should put on some socks. Yes, socks! Nothing says I like warm toes and sliding on hardwood floors better than a fresh, soft, slick pair of new socks. Nothing says I love you and I want your feet to be rosy, toasty, and comfortable like the gift of socks. Yes, socks. The best thing to happen to cold feet ever. Socks are available pretty much anywhere. Some restrictions apply. Remember not to wear only socks when outside, especially if it's wet out. Wash socks regularly or you will have very stinky feet. Uh, so 
upstairs to watch. I have an appointment with someone who would like to buy large quantity of her for the match. Ciao, agents. Bon voyage. Hey, uh, hey, Benny, what a for, what's formaggio mean? What? We're about to be dropped in salted, boiling water, and you want to know what formaggio means? Yeah, I want to know what formaggio means. Listen to that. Isn't that a nice sounding word? It means cheese. Formaggio. Cheese. Now, help me get out of this crane. Yeah, hey, you know what? Hey, that makes sense because formaggio sounds so nice. It even sounds delicious, you know? Like, this You're going to be delicious if you don't help me. Wait a minute, hey. Formaggio, I think I got something here. Yeah? The plate, it's right over the water. About something. Get something. Oh yeah, formaggio. That's it. I put a bunch of formaggio in my pockets during last week's episode. Don't you remember? Hey, follow me, Ben. I got an idea. The crane opens above the giant bowl of salted boiling water, but as our heroes fall towards their doom, Agent Linguini pulls from his pockets large chunks of Parmesan cheese. With pinpoint accuracy, he throws them below Agent Penny and himself. They land, splash, safe and dry upon blocks of rapidly melting Parmesan cheese. Formaggio? Great idea, Linguini. Hey, thanks. Now uh, we just need to hop from block to block of this stuff until we get to the edge and do it quick before it melts, okay? I'll keep tossing them into the water. I got plenty. Here I you need go. one right here. Yeah, I'll throw them over here. there. Okay. Oh. Just, just, just oh. make sure you... <laughs> it's pretty warm okay. in here, huh? Hey, wow. <laughs> okay. Phew. We did it. Linguini quit licking his shoes and radio back to police headquarters. Don Spaghetti may have escaped, but he won't have any cheese to sell if we can help it. Mm, it's so good. You know, formaggio is even good on a shoe. you got to try some of this Linguine. stuff, Penny. What? 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 It's so good. Linguini. have some of this? The radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the radio. Okay, I remember how this thing works. Okay, let me just open it up here. Uh, Police HQ, this is Agent Linguini. We have the cheese. Repeat, we have the cheese, and it is delicious. Send a squad and some big delivery trucks to the warehouse on the docks right away. Just you wait, Don Spaghetti. It may not be this episode, or the next, but in one of these episodes, we'll catch you and stop your wicked scheming. But until then, Arrivederci. Hey, Penny, doesn't Arrivederci mean the same thing as ciao? Well, not quite. It's more formal, and, and really it means until we meet again, which sounds more agency, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. Hey, I want to be more agency too. Don Spaghetti, arrivederci. Arrivederci, Don Spaghetti. Arrivederci. And so the Parmesan cheese was returned to the good restaurants, grocery stores, homes, and noodles of pasta. The mischief and criminal shenanigans of Don Spaghetti have been stopped for now. Another mission impossible accomplished. Our heroes go home to a celebratory evening of pizza and root beer. All is quiet and tasty in Postopolis tonight, thanks to our brave agents. All is quiet for now. But they remain ever alert, ever ready, ever watchful for another message, another mission, another mission impossible.
Mission Impossible. I also love pasta in a bowl. I also love missions. It's a combination of lots of things that I like, I guess. Um, way to go, Penny and Linguini. I really enjoy uh, the Mission Impossible series, and I hope you do too. There's another episode that we have. It's uh, the Manja episode. Old Don Spaghetti gets up to some crazy antics there. Did you enjoy Don Spaghetti's performance? Well, you know what? I did too. Thanks a whole bunch, Mr. Josh Windmiller, for voicing the dastardly deeds of Don Spaghetti. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, it's raining, and I don't know if uh, you've got anything planned for today. I don't know if you have any ideas for what to do today, but you might find yourself, you just might find yourself, stuck inside. And when you're stuck inside, there's nothing for it but to try and think. Was that unclear? Sorry, let's try that one more time. Now listen, if you're stuck inside and you need to think of some things to do, well, I have a theme song to play for you. You know, in DJ training school, they teach you that when you're when you're playing stuff on the radio, you're not supposed to sing along with it. But you know what? I don't I don't agree with that school of DJ schoolness. I think that when you are listening to a rad jam about things to do when you're stuck inside, you got to sing along. So here's a thing to do if you're stuck inside. If you're the type of family that put up a Christmas tree, well, it's January 6th. It might be time to take down the Christmas tree. That's what we did. That's always a hard thing to do. Putting away the train. Putting away the ornaments. Can't buy the Christmas. Okay, I'm back. I was just pretend crying. But it is hard. It is hard to say goodbye to Christmas. Anyway, that's an idea for something to do if you're stuck inside. Also, making stuff out of clay. And if you do make stuff out of clay, kids, tell your parents to download a stop-motion animation app on their phone. And even if they don't know what it is, just sound it out for them really clearly. Stop motion animation. And then make some cool videos. And then send them to Benedettiville. Mail at Benedettiville.com because I love stop motion animation and clay and I would love to watch whatever you come up with. So, open invitation. Now, I think I promised you some Chevrolet Glitterwing. This is a Chevrolet Glitterwing story that happens after the amazing adventures that uh, brought Magnus and Chevrolet together for the first time ever. And we could begin it as soon as we remind you of uh, what station you're listening to. So, if we can get those Rivertown voices to sing beautifully to us. Oh, Rivertown voices! That was fantastic. Thank you. And with that, let us begin this long, multi-part story, Chevrolet Glitterwing and the Library Mystery, Chapter One. 
It had been weeks since Chevrolet and Magnus had helped to save the world from the mean Swamp King Jervis and his queen, Egret. They had been enjoying some lovely late spring weather in Grimsford. Things had been quiet and the two friends had been relaxing, playing with Sneaker, taking the occasional trip through the closet door into Fairyland, and just generally having a good time. There had been a few cases in the meantime. There was a lost kitten. It had snuck into a gnome den and had been adopted by the gnome family. There was a hill giant that had gotten lost playing hide-and-seek in Fairyland and had wandered into a fairy circle and somehow wound up in Grimsford Park. The cases were solved happily and easily, and things were basically as normal as they could be for a pair of magical investigators, one of which was a half-fairy. It was on a particularly beautiful Saturday that Magnus and Chevrolet were hanging out at Gus's junkyard at the shop window. The sun was shining in the late morning, and the chill of winter was all but gone. Chevrolet was explaining how to capture sparkle toads to Magnus when they heard a polite cough. <clears throat> they looked up, and there was a very nicely dressed man who looked old enough to be their grandfather. He had very nicely cut and combed short white hair, small rectangular spectacles, and was wearing, despite the warming weather, a three-piece wool suit, brown and gray plaid, with a very fetching red and muted gold bow tie. He leaned on a walking stick and politely introduced himself, bowing ever so slightly as he did. <clears throat> Hello, young investigators. My name is Samson Hewell, and I am the chief librarian at the Grimsford Library. I need your help, he said in a pleasant, quiet voice. Well, Mr. Hewell, said Chevrolet, why don't you tell us about what we can do for you, and I'll see if I can take the case. Uh, also, interjected Magnus, I'm so sorry for not returning Space Avengers Volume 12. I'll bring it back as soon as I find it. Samson Hewell chuckled. Oh, I'm certainly not here about your late library book, good sir, he said, but I am here about missing books, or should I say some missing books, others that have been vandalized in different ways. Perhaps it would be better to show you what I mean. He reached into the leather briefcase that he held in his other hand and pulled out a small stack of books and laid them on the counter of the shop window. The books were all different shapes and sizes. Some kids' picture books, some large adult books, some small, some about science, some about animals, some clearly storybooks. They were all damaged or written on in very strange ways. Some books had pages nibbled along the edges like a small rat might do. Some had pages torn out. Some had strange writing scribbled all over the pages. Some had silly drawings added onto the pictures of the book. Mustaches on faces, horns on heads, that kind of thing. Uh, it looks like something a bored kid would do, Mr. Hewell, Magnus said, paging through the books nearest to him. I did some stuff like this when I was younger. Oh, oh, sorry about that, too, he added quickly. Chevrolet had her wrinkled forehead, and that meant that she was thinking very hard. She was looking at the scribbles on one of the pages of a science book through her magic, jeweled, and carved fairyland magnifying glass. No way, Magnus, old buddy, old pal, she said, smiling big. We've got a good old-fashioned actual magical mystery on our hands here. She looked up at Samson Hewell. But how did you know, Mr. Hewell? Why didn't you just assume it was kids messing up the books? Mr. Hewell coughed into his hand. Um, uh, well, you see, I... I dabble. I dabble a bit in the <laughs> mystic arts, you could say. As the chief librarian, I have access to some uh, rare books, and over the years, I've I've learned a thing or two. The 
page you're reading there, Miss Glitterwing? Am I right in guessing the letters to be elvish? You are absolutely right, Chevrolet said, beaming. You must have studied hard to be able to tell the difference between elvish and forest fairy letters. Samson Hewell looked positively pleased with the compliment. <laughs> Why, thank you, Miss. I do try my best. Chevrolet went on. It is certainly elvish, and it is even better than that. It's a riddle of some kind. I'll try and read it as best I can. Hey, Magnus, will you write this down? Ready, Magnus said, pen in hand. Okay, uh, here goes, said Chevrolet, and she read the following aloud, and Magnus copied it into the investigative notebook. A home I have found, but I am not home. I wander the books, but never I roam. My prison is secret. It must not be said, so I leave you this clue to my freedom instead. Look to the letters. Look to the stacks. Follow the footsteps and help me get back. Woo-hoo! Whoop Chevrolet. Elvish riddles, magic, clues, and books and mysterious rhymes. Ah, this is the best Saturday ever. Magnus looked up at Samson Hewell, smiling broadly. We'll take the case, Mr. Hewell. If it's all right with you, we'll start today. Oh, fantastic, Mr. Hewell said. He held out his hand and shook with Chevrolet and Magnus. Lead the way, Mr. Librarian, sir, Chevrolet said, stepping out from the store, posting the closed on an investigation sign in the window. We'll go to the library with you. We are on the case. Concentrated sunlight, essence of sunshine, and organically harvested sunrises to keep away even the most aggressive sun protection wearing troll out there. No more trip dropping over bridges in fear. No more depending on magical wizard voices around a campfire to get you out of that sack. Try new Troll Be Gone Misting Spray now and let your troll worry be over. Troll Be Gone Misting Spray has a three popular scents. Tropicon Misting Spray must be used as directed. Not effective with dragons, goblins, ogres, or other mystical creatures. Never use before operating machinery. Never use around gnomes. They go crazy with the stuff and will try to take you home with them. Read all warning labels before using. Never spray in eyes unless you want extra vision. And never spray in mouth. Tastes like dirty sauce filled with fish. Potential side effects include, but are not limited to, shrinking, growing, changing color, mild levitation, fire breathing, disappearing, multiplying, teleportation, disintegration, and itchy eyes. Please talk to your family magician or sorcerer before using Penzinger's Coping on Spray. Of course, and I don't mean to um, 
startle anybody, but it is wintertime. Look how dark it is outside, and it's not even sunset yet. This is troll season, and Blue is really the guy with the troll safety tips, and he's the guy who could tell you all this stuff. But because I'm on the air right now, I just feel that it is my duty. You find some troll begone misting spray, because the troll problem of Sonoma County is, depending on who you talk to, very well documented, and you don't want to be caught without it. That's all I have to say about that. Um, now, in case you had forgotten what we were listening to, I will remind you, with the help of my friend Cooper and the Rivertown Voices. 103.3 KPCA Coop. You're listening to Ben and KPCA FM. Oh, yeah. Chapter 2. The library was only a few blocks away. It was a Saturday, and the library was closed, but Mr. Hewell had the keys. He opened it up, and the investigators filed in. A library is always a quiet place, but a library that only has three very quiet investigators on a quiet Saturday is almost magically silent. Dust was swirling in the sunlight that came streaming through the big windows. Stacks and stacks and rows and rows of books blazed about on their shelves. It is a grand feeling to be in a place with so many stories, so much knowledge, so much information. The three investigators took a few quiet moments to soak it all in. Then Chevrolet broke the silence. Time to get to work, she said. She pulled out her large flashlight from the holster on her leg. It was silver and was etched and carved with all sorts of strange symbols and designs. She whispered some of her singing fairy words over it, dropped a pinch of something glittery over the lens, and flashed it on. Silver blue light shone out, and Chevrolet started to trace it over the shelves of books. Mr. Hewell gasped, Beautiful! Chevrolet, not having heard him, thought out loud as she played the light across the library. Okay, so from the message we read, it sounds like someone's trapped in this library. Uh, I think the last part said, Look to the letters, look to the stacks, follow the footsteps, and help me get back. Do you see any footsteps? Asked Magnus, staying close behind Chevrolet, the investigation book tucked under one arm. Hmm, not yet, Chevrolet said, shining the light across the carpeted halls between the bookshelves. Mr. Hewell cleared his throat. I'm not sure if you knew this, but in the library we have an area called the Stacks. It's where we store books that are rarely checked out, and it is closed to the general public. Look to the Stacks! said Chevrolet, snapping off a flashlight. Yes! Can you take us there, Mr. Hewell? Of course, of course, Mr. Hewell said. Follow me. They wound through the bookshelves and came to a door at the opposite end of the library. Mr. Hewell produced a key from a large key ring at his waist and unlocked the door. They pushed through, and Mr. Hewell switched on the lights. The room was not terribly large, but it was full, completely full of books. The stacks were towering bookshelves placed very close together. The shelves went all the way to the ceiling, and the walkways between them were very narrow. Books were smashed into every possible available space on the shelves, and the feeling that Chevrolet and Magnus had was of being in a towering castle or a maze of books. It was rather pleasant and pleasantly mysterious. Wow, said Magnus. I never imagined that there were this many books 
anywhere. Mr. Hule chuckled. I'm happy to say that there are a great deal more books than this. Our library is tiny compared to others. Chevrolet, meanwhile, had turned the flashlight back on and was shining it all about the stacks of books. What do these mean? she asked, shining the light on large printed cards at the ends of each stack. The cards had a row of letters and beneath a row of numbers. Well, that is the way we organize the stacks, explained Mr. Hewell. The letters tell us what names of authors we will find, and the numbers are a code we use to tell us the subject matter of the books. For example, this sign you are shining on right now says Aaron to Cuthbert, and it has the number 782, and that tells me that the subject of this stack of books is on music, and the authors are anyone with a last name that starts with A all the way through the letter C, Cuthbert. Whoa, Magnus said, secret codes in the secret library maze of books. I thought Chevrolet was mysterious. Oh, it's not mysterious, Mr. Hill said. It's just the best way we librarians have discovered keeping our books organized. Look to the letters, look to the stacks, look to the letters, look to the stacks. Chevrolet kept muttering as she wound her way through the towering shelves, shining the light over the books and the organization cards. Ha-ha! She yelped, Magnus, bring the book! Magnus and Mr. Hewell rushed to her side. The flashlight was shining on a card, and in the silver-blue light of the magic flashlight, some of the letters were glowing. Write it down, Magnus, write it down! The glowing letters that are written, sometimes magic that is recently used, will illuminate in my fairy light. So, I think this must be the clue that we're looking for. The card read, Theodore to Zathens, and the number was 634, which meant the books were about orchards and fruit farming. Only the first three letters of the first word were glowing, T-H-E of Theodore. Magnus wrote it down in his notebook. Come on, Chevrolet called, rushing through the stacks, now shining the light on card after card. There might be more clues, and there were. They went over every shelf, every card, every stack, and after a long but exciting search, they found two more partially glowing cards. One read, Jenkins to Kingsley 550, which meant the books were about earth science. Only the K-I-N-G, King, of the name Kingsley, was glowing. Magnus wrote it down in the book. The third clue they found, Dugan's the High Tower 909, which meant books about world history. Only the H-I-G-H of the name Hightower was glowing. High. Magnus wrote that down, too. They went back to the sunny tables and chairs in the main library to go over their clues. Well, Magnus, old buddy, what do we have? Chevrolet asked, putting the flashlight back in its holster. Magnus read from the notebook. The King and High. Hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me, he said. Me either, said Chevrolet, scratching her head. Said Mr. Hill, well, if you say it that way, it doesn't make much sense to me either, but we have to consider that maybe you didn't find the clues in the right order. Hmm, like rearranging the words, huh? said Chevrolet. Precisely, said Mr. Hill, and if I could give it a try, I would do it like this The High King. Well, that doesn't make any more sense to me, said Magnus. Maybe not to you, said Mr. Hewell, smiling, but to a head librarian, it is the title of a very wonderful book by the very wonderful author, Lloyd Alexander, and I know exactly where to find it. Hooray! said Chevrolet. Lead the way. With Mr. Hugh in the lead, 
The trio of investigators rushed over to the young adult fiction section of the library, and with expert skills, Mr. Hewell went to the exact right section, the exact right shelf, and the exact right book. He pulled it out and handed it to Chevrolet. The High King by Lloyd Alexander, he said proudly. They rushed the book to the nearest table and started to go through it page by page. Look, said Magnus, more of the scribbles, but they seem to be very exact this time. You're right, Magnus, said Chevrolet. Let's start at the beginning and write down every mark, number, letter, word, everything that we see, and we'll be sure to do it in order. Well, I can tell you it took a lot of time. They went through every single page, one page at a time, and many pages didn't have any marks at all. Some had only one letter circled or maybe a number underlined, and some had several words circled or underlined. Magnus wrote it all down in the investigation notebook. When he turned the last page, Magnus turned... When, when, the, when they, excuse me, when they turned the last page, Chevrolet turned to Magnus with excitement in her eyes. What's it say, Magnus? Ah, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, but here's what it says. Um, okay. On the 30th day of the fourth month, that one, two, three, four, Amphys, Pelcan, Bibro, Ken, I don't know, there's a lot more here, but it doesn't make any sense. It's super confusing. Maybe it's one of the crazy fairy languages, Chevrolet. Um, let me take a look at that, said Chevrolet. She looked at the letters and the numbers and laughed. Well, well, if you read it like that, Magnus, it does sound weird. But if you read it like this, if you break up the words and the numbers in different ways, I could read it like this. And she read, On the 30th day of the fourth month, at 12.34 a.m., the spell can be broken. Ha! See, it all depends on where you see the word, Magnus. Look, there's more. I'll read the rest of it. To know the place where you must be, to break the spell and set me free, you'll need to find a recipe. Seek the authors, start with P, look for pages numbered three. Oh my goodness, just hearing the word recipe makes me realize something, Magnus said, his stomach growling. It is way past lunchtime. Oh, indeed, indeed it is, said Samson Hill. Please, will you allow me to treat you to the finest food that the secret world of librarians has to offer? A secret world of anything sounded pretty perfect to Magnus and Chevrolet, especially if lunch was involved. It's just a short walk away, and I'm allowed to bring two guests if I wish, so I think this will work out perfectly, Mr. Hewell said as he gathered his coat and his briefcase. They headed outside, locked up the library, and soaked up the wonderful sunshine of late spring. <sighs> Mr. Hewell said as he started off down the block. It's Saturday, and that means Chef will be preparing my favorite lunch, pastrami novels with fruit. And away they followed the librarian, into the sun, and to the mysterious lunch that he offered. End of chapter two. Oh. Well, that was timed perfectly. It doesn't always work out quite so well. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, I've offered you some things to do when you're stuck inside. Um, we've talked a little bit about troll safety and that you're going to need some of that uh, troll be gone misting spray. There's only really one thing that really requires some serious attention here before we get on to the next chapter, 
And I think you know what I'm talking about. I think it's a little thing called... Oh, yeah, yeah. The Benedettiville Book Club. It is my duty to play that theme song for you at least twice every week. Or it doesn't get exercised, and it might go bad. So... Uh, that was one time. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it one more time at the end of this because honestly, you guys, we've been reading so many books. I can't even keep track of them. We don't have anything to add for our official Benedettiville book club, other than just read as many books as you can find. We took a little trip. Oh, this almost sounds like a story. Hey, Dave, can we get a little story music going while I while I do this little recap? Dave, sorry, man. So we took a trip into the mountains, and in the mountains there's this magical, wonderful house that we used to stay at. And in this wonderful house, there is a shelf full of books. And the cool thing about these books is that they are only at this house. And so we get to go there and read all of our favorite books. And there is the owl, there's the, the books about owl and about the lumps in the bed, and about how he tries to be upstairs and downstairs at the same time. I love that book. There's another one about Balto. The dog that saved the day on his dog sled. But it's so fun to have these books that are associated with this place. So we read a ton of those, you guys. And then um, Christmas happened, and a whole new batch of stories has come in. It's a wonderful time to be reading, especially since it's something that you can do when you're stuck inside. I, have, I don't need to play that again, do I? No, I don't think I do. But anyway, I don't have any official titles for the Benedettiville Book Club, but happy reading to you and yours during this lovely winter time. Write some stories, read some stories, and if you want to share what you've been reading, share it with us. Mail at Benedettiville.com. We'd love to know what's going on. And uh, with that, I believe we can get back to Chapter of our story. Oh, excuse me. All right. Chapter three, incoming. Get those story helmets on, story soldiers. We've got a chapter on its way. Magnus Chevrolet and Mr. Hewell, the librarian, walked several blocks west of the library, crossing the Grimsford River on the footbridge, and they came to a lovely courtyard park. A fountain was gurgling, kids and families were frolicking on the grass, and there was a happy hustle and bustle of people and pets and shops all around. Mr. Hewell turned a corner and began leading the investigators down a tall, narrow alleyway. He stopped at a brick doorway that appeared to the kids to be either broken, never used, or maybe both. Certainly not a door that should ever be knocked on. Mr. Hewell wrapped a very precise rhythm on the door, and a slot slid open with a sharp clang. Classic Greek speeches, barked a low voice from inside. Ahem, 885, Mr. Hewell answered immediately. Who wrote Labyrinth? Lon Akbar, Orbis Tertius, and other works. Uh, that would be Mr. Jorge Luis Borges, Mr. Hugh answered with confidence. Enter and be welcome, Master Hugh, said the deep, growly voice. 
There was a clack and a clatter of locks and chains and bolts, and the door opened. A very, very large man in a fancy black suit and jacket held the door open and welcomed them inside. Mr. Huell led the way down a beautiful hallway, softly but well lit. It was lined, of course, with books on both sides. At the end of the hallway was a cozy room set with tables, chairs, a few large armchairs and couches, and full of wonderful smells. Also, the walls here were lined with, you guessed it, bookshelves filled to overflowing with books of all shapes and sizes. The three sat at a nearby table, and soon a delicious lunch appeared before them, brought by waiters and waitresses that were all very friendly, polite, and very good friends of Mr. Hughes. The lunch was a pastrami novel. And this was really just a sandwich, but the bread looked like the covers of a book, and the pastrami was sliced extra thin to look like pages. A green salad, assorted fruits, and a cool, sparkling beverage that was sweet and just the perfect bit sour. The conversations were mainly about books and the case. Mr. Huell knew it seemed everything about every book ever written. He could discuss the history and spell books of fairyland with Chevrolet, but was also very enthusiastic and well-versed in the adventures of Sword Boy and Space Avengers, Magnus's two very favorite comic books. When they had finished, they thanked the servers, shook hands with the doorman, whose name was Finnegan Wake, by the way, and who seemed, to Chevrolet at least, to be part giant, and they headed back to the library. They reviewed their latest clue on the way back. Okay, guys. To know the place where you must be to break the spell and set me free, you need to find a recipe, seek the authors, start with T, look for pages numbered three. Magnus read from the notebook as they walked. Uh, do you have a cookbook section at the library, Mr. Huell? Magnus asked. Well, naturally we do, said Mr. Huell. There are many wonderful recipes sitting on my shelves. That sounds like what we need for this case, said Magnus. Also, now that Jervis has gone from the house, my dad has been trying to do the cooking. It is so terrible. Do you think I could learn to cook if I had a cookbook, Mr. Huell? Of course, my lad. If you can read, you can cook, as a wise man once told me, Mr. Huell said as he unlocked the library and led the way into the quiet interior. The afternoon was growing long. The light was warmer, oranger, and slower now. It gave the library a very sleepy quality. Chevrolet, young. to the cookbooks and we'll get to work. From what I can guess, we're going to need every cookbook written by somebody with the last name that starts with T. And then we look for pages with a three on it, right? Sounds reasonable to me, said Mr. Huell, as he led the way towards the cookbooks. Ah, here we are, section 641.5, cookbooks. The trio got to work. They pulled every cookbook off the shelf that had an author with the last name of T, from Gina Tabernathy's 200 Ways to Make Pancakes to Hugh Trisdale's How to Cook Things I Found in My Backyard. After much checking and searching, they found that there were markings on page 3, page 33, and page 333 of each cookbook. There were no markings on page 13 or 23 or 233 or any page that had a number other than a 3 on it. There were always exactly three clues on each page, and Magnus wrote furiously to record all of them in order. The sun had set by the time they closed page 333 on the Hugh Tearsdale cookbook, and Magnus's hand ached with the writing. Chevrolet and Mr. Huell rubbed their tired eyes. Oh, what's it say, Magnus? Chevrolet asked, pushing her chair back and yawning as Mr. Huell went about reshelving the books. 
in perfect order, of course. Magnus looked over his notes. Hmm, give me a minute. I gotta make sure I break the words up into the right ones this time. Pretty soon he was ready. He cleared his throat and read from the notebook the following. Ahem. On the given night, at the given time, stand beneath the great chandelier, face to the west. Only then can the spell be broken. Magnus paused and looked up. And the rest looks like another one of those rhymes. Mr. Hewell had joined him at the table. Go on, Magnus, what does it say? So Magnus read. There was a spell, a big mistake, that trapped me here and keeps me bound. No clear message can I make until this curse I turn around. There is a spell that must be cast. There is a book that hides the spell. There is a place after the last where I have dug a hidden well. There is a tunnel small and dark that leads from neath the hidden well. Look for the last letter's mark and seek you then the hidden spell. Chevrolet had come over behind Magnus to read over his shoulder. Wow, that was a long one. A hidden well, a tunnel, secret spell in a book, curses by mistake? She slugged Magnus playfully in the shoulder. <laughs> what a great case, eh, Maggie, old buddy? Magnus let out a tremendous yawn. Yay! The first clue said that we can only break the spell on the 30th day of the fourth month, and that's tomorrow at midnight. I think this may have to wait until I get some sleep. Chevrolet nodded. Agreed. We'll have to call it quits for tonight. I'm tired, too. But, Magnus, when you come tomorrow, can you bring Snaker? We may need someone who can scurry around in small tunnels. And if it's too small for you or me, Sneaker could be very helpful. Oh, yeah. Good idea, said Magnus. Ah, uh, who is this Sneaker fellow? asked Mr. Huell. Well, yeah, that's just the closet glump that lives with Magnus. You'll meet him tomorrow, said Chevrolet. And, um, did the clue say something about a spell that was by mistake? Mr. Huell asked, a slight quiver in his voice. Uh, I think it said a big mistake, Magnus answered back. I wonder what that means. Got no idea. No idea at all, squeaked Mr. Huell. He quickly gathered up his things and stood up. Well, uh, time to go for tonight, eh? He said. They filed their way out of the darkening library. Mr. Huell locked it up. They walked back to Gus's junkyard and said their goodbyes and went their separate ways. Chevrolet to the sure-to-be-delicious dinner with Gus. Magnus to a sure-to-be-burned-and-awful dinner with his dad cooking at home. He had brought a few cookbooks with him, though, in the hopes that maybe soon he could improve his family's mealtimes. Mr. Huell stepped into his old and rickety-looking car and puttered off to wherever the head librarian slept. Maybe another secret alley somewhere? Who knows? The night was cool, peaceful, and, except for some poor, elvish writing something or other in the Grimsford Public Library, trapped behind some strange and wonderful curse, all was quiet under the starry spring Grimsford sky. End chapter 3. favorite stories? Do you have favorite books? I really would love to know what kind of stories and books you all are reading out there. 
someone should call into the radio station, 707-981-7577, and just let me know favorite story that you heard recently. Anything. Let's hear it. 707-981-7577. You tell me your favorite story, and we'll talk about it. And then we'll give each other uh, over-the-phone high fives about how awesome stories are and how they are great things to do when you're stuck inside. Um, now, there's only one other thing that uh, I wanted to play for you here. And this is from my main man, Rocco Blastorius. All right. Rocco, let's get you in here, buddy, with some sweet, funky bass jams. What? Oh, yeah! It's so smooth. Hey, Petaluma, how you like a little Sunday afternoon butter with your radio? Wow. That's right. Rocco Blastory is here. Just churning out the silky, creamy grooves. You know, after last week, my little rock sash, I got a bunch of mail from y'all saying, Whoa, Rocco, chill out, bro. It's Sunday afternoon. And I hear you, bro. I hear you. That's why this week we're bringing you the slick, mellow vibe. Because you know what? The best is like you or me or your best friend. Or sometimes it's like you just gotta rock and go like raw, raw, raw. But then other times you're just raw, taking her easy. So that's what this week's adventures and base is all about. Taking her easy, man. So yeah. Just take her easy out there. Rocco Blastorius, out. Oh, Rocco. Thank you so much, my man. Um, that's my buddy, Rocco Blastorius. He's the greatest bass player in the Puppet Lands, in case you guys didn't know. And uh, if you did know, good. Um, he recently got back from his crazy adventure all the way up to the North Pole, where he got to jam with Santa Claus, because not a lot of people know this. I didn't honestly know this until uh, Rocco came back with the story, which has to be true. Rocco's a very honest puppet. But um, apparently, Santa Claus, killer drummer. Yep, killer drummer and a very funky guy. So they, they got to jam up there. Uh, if you received any presents from Santa Claus, you can thank Rocco because uh, I'm pretty sure that it was a, a supercharged on Funky Jams team of reindeer that were able to bring the sleigh around this year. So... That's just like a little helpful fun fact. Oh, I'm getting uh, the red light is being blasted at me right now. So I got to play this one last sponsorship thing uh, for for our lovely sponsors here. And it goes like this. Another classic instructor that aren't me, Super Fit the Leotard Man. 
superpower and um, I'm glad that he's living in the woods now although it is a new year so if anybody made resolutions to do some exercises although if kids are listening I don't think you guys did you guys make any resolutions what was your resolution to eat more candy that's kind of the resolution that's being pushed at our house but I don't think it's going to happen quite frankly but all you parents out there if you need super fit leotard man to come over and help help with the motivating that can be important maybe he might be available. This is a really busy time of year for Super Fit, the Leotard Man. Um, well, my good ladies and gentlemen, oh, there it is, our telltale sign that we have come to the end of yet another wonderful Sunday afternoon hour of Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'd like to thank Rob and John down here at the studio. For keeping KPCA rolling around, cranking out the hits. I'd like to thank our sponsors Socks, Goldie Gun Misting Spray, and of course, the Ash Legion, Sonoma County Chapter, and in particular, the Leotard, <laughs> Leotard Man. <laughs> Super fit, the Leotard Man. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back next week from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock and we will finish up or get as close to finishing up as we can with our uh, Chevrolet Glitterwing Library Adventure. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a lovely day. Stay dry, stay warm, read good stories. We'll talk to you later. So long. So long.